we kicked this thing off a couple weeks ago. We talked about uh, Jesus' first miracle of turning water into wine really as kind of a, uh, a setting up of expectations that God uh, wants to do a miracle in our life. Uh, and then last week, uh, Brian shared about uh, Paul being in prison and uh, worshiping his way to freedom. Uh, shared the amazing story of Ian and Crystal Goodman, who have uh, been a part of our church for a long time. It was a great story, right, of, uh, of a couple who uh, weren't able to have kids, and through prayer, uh, God just absolutely has answered their uh, prayer and given them a miraculous uh, baby that they are now almost seven months along. Uh, so super exciting about that, excited for them. Uh, today, we're going to take a look at the, uh, the miracle uh, of one of the times in which Jesus calmed the storm uh, on the Sea of Galilee. Uh, but before we do that, I want to read our theme verses from Psalm chapter 77, verse 14. You are the God of miracles and wonders. You still demonstrate your awesome power. And Job 5.9 says, He performs wonders that cannot be fathomed, miracles that cannot be counted. Today, uh, as we look at this, we're reminded of the fact that God still does miracles today. Uh, that if we really believe the verse that we've put on our back wall that says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then, then he still does miracles today. Uh, I, w- I want us to look at the, the story of uh, the disciples who set up the story. Jesus has uh, got the boat parked on the shore. He's got all of these people that have been following him, and he starts preaching to them, and they've kind of pushed him all the way back to the point where he's now standing in the boat, and he's preaching to the multitudes that are there. And as he's preaching to them, everything begins to come into focus, and he's, he's now coming to the conclusion of his time with them, and he tells his disciples, I want you to now go across the lake, which is what the Sea of Galilee is, and I want to go uh, to the other side of the shore. And so we're going to pick it up in Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 41. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in, uh, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and, there, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. It's kind of odd detail, isn't it? He's sleeping in the boat on a cushion. Let's just not say Jesus was uncomfortable, right? He was, he was comfortably sleeping in the boat. The disciples woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So darkness is falling. They're making their way across this lake. They're headed to the other shore. Jesus is asleep in the rear of the ship. He's tired from preaching, which honestly is super good news to me uh, because... Every Sunday, I am wiped, and I always think, you know, it's my humanity. No, Jesus was tired after preaching, and honestly, the best sleep that you can ever have, most of you will never know this, but the best sleep that you can ever have is after you preach. Sunday afternoon naps, the best. Am I right? Anybody done? My dad's done it. He knows. Me and my dad, we're on the same page. So, So here they are. He's asleep, and they're going 
to the other side and they experience this enormous storm. And I want us to just take this journey with them and see if we can learn the lessons that these fishermen, these disciples learned as they experienced this storm as well. Some of the variables that took place in the midst of this storm, the first, and this is in your notes, is that there was danger involved. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. In the midst of this danger, there's kind of these, these things that have taken place. One of the dangers was the suddenness of the storm. Now, storms like this are pretty common on the Sea of Galilee. Uh, this is a body of water. It's kind of an interesting, weird body of water. I've had the privilege of sailing across the Sea of Galilee before, and uh, in April we'll be taking a group of people from our church, and uh, hopefully not in the midst of a storm, but in the calmness of it, we will get to go over the Sea of Galilee as well. But uh, it's, it was a relatively, it's a relatively small body of water. It's 13 miles long seven miles wide. It's about two-thirds the size of Lake Tahoe, which is why I'm wearing this today. This is an illustrated message. It's two-thirds the size. It's actually where I was just gone on vacation uh, for. Uh, it's two-thirds the size of Lake Tahoe, but it's only 150 feet deep. Uh, in comparison, Lake Tahoe is about 1,600 feet deep. Right, so it's a, it also has this interesting thing about it that it's got these hills, these mountains, uh, you know, depending on where you're from. from if you're in San Antonio, they're mountains. Uh, if you're from the Northwest, they're hills. And, and so there's these, these hills that have these unique uh, kind of valleys in the midst of these hills. And what happens is on the other side, wind will pick up and it'll blow through these valleys like a, like a wind tunnel. And the, and the downdraft will hit the lake and it will cause all kinds of craziness and waves. And then you uh, compound that with a thunderstorm on top of that. And you've got some serious, serious danger that comes in the form of waves. So that's in the natural, that this was a common thing. What's not common is that this would take place at night. That would be different. That would be uncommon in the case of the Sea of Galilee. It's really much like our life, and, and I want to be careful because I, I don't like to be the person that always takes like a storm and equate it to our life, but we're just kind of doing that this morning a little bit, that uh, in the case of our life, it often happens suddenly, doesn't it? That, that when a storm comes in the midst of our life, it usually happens in a moment. It happens uh, with a phone call. It happens uh, with a doctor's visit. It happens uh, at the tick of a clock that all of a sudden, our, our good friend, uh, who we got to watch the memorial service of yesterday, and, uh, and I'll be talking about a little bit later in the message, she, uh, their family was on a cruise. Uh, playing, he was playing in a basketball tournament, and in a moment, a storm hits, and he dies of a heart attack. The, the suddenness is what was so dangerous about this situation. They didn't expect it. In fact, just so you know, they didn't go out into a storm, right? It wasn't like they sailed into the storm, and they're like, yeah, we got this. No, it was a sudden occurrence that while they're in the midst of sailing across, the storm hits. The Bible says that storms will come our way. Uh, Job talks about it. Uh, Ecclesiastes talks about it. John chapter 16, verse 33 says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace, because in the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. 
In fact, you're, you're really probably in one of three places today. You're, uh, you're either in a storm, you're coming out of a storm, or you're getting ready to go into a storm, right? Because if Scripture is true and we believe it to be, then we all will experience tribulation. We will all have storms in our life at some, po- at some point. So it was the suddenness of the storm, but it was also the severity of the storm. It says the ship was now full. These guys are fishermen. They get it. Like They, they knew the Sea of Galilee. They knew, uh, it's also referred to as Lake Tiberias now. Like it's, They knew. They were familiar with the lake, and yet they were freaking out in this moment because of the severity of it. The, sh- the ship is, is rocking and reeling, and, and it's this violent storm at night. They can't even see where the shore is, and it tells us that there were other boats in the water. So they're freaking out because they may hit another boat, and, and here's what we think. I mean, at least this is, this is, I'll admit, the way that I think. When I think of the Sea of Galilee, I think of this massive body of water. When I think of a ship, I I think of uh, this large boat that they're fishing off of, and it's really more like a canoe, right? It's like this, it's small. They've actually found uh, one of, uh, like an old boat from antiquity from that time, and it's just this dinky little dinghy, really, that they're fishing out of, and the the water's coming up over the side, and, and Jesus is in the back sleeping, and Again, it's a lot like what we face in our life. That, that when the storms come, the severity of them cause great anguish and pain in our life. There's storms of suffering that blow into our lives and devastate us with heartache and heartbreak and turmoil. Like one problem will arise after another and they will bury us in a blizzard of affliction. Many could testify about the storms of suffering. Others face storms of sorrow. Someone you love dies and it leaves you grief-stricken and you're shaken by your loss. Sorrow touches every life. Jesus was in their boat, and I think this is worth noting, that Jesus was in their boat, present, and they still were afflicted by a storm of sorrow. Others are engulfed in a storm of sin. When sin enters our hearts, it comes in like a pleasant breeze. It promises us the best, but it soon displays a darker side and it rips through our life, leaving a trail of damage and destruction that can only be replaced and repaired by the blood of Jesus. Some are in that storm today. So the storms come and they bring fear, they bring anxiety, they bring pain. I just want us to know, like we we got done singing, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. And we sing those songs and, and we proclaim those, but at times when we're in the midst of the storm, the fear rises up, the anxiety comes, and we wonder, is Is this the one? Is this the the storm that is bigger than God? And we allow fear to come in. And I would just remind you that there is no storm on earth that heaven cannot calm. There's no problem too big that Jesus can't fix. We have to bring that storm to him and watch him deal with it. The third is the source of the storm. 
Where did this storm come from? It might have come from the natural uh, occurrence of the wind coming through these valleys and creating this great storm. We don't really know for sure what the source of the storm was. God might have sent it. He, he could have sent, it, sent this storm for the very purpose of teaching these men to trust Jesus. The storm could have been satanic in origin. Right? Maybe this was uh, the enemy's way of saying, ah, I got him. He's out on a boat. It's nighttime. I'm taking him out. And it could have been this, this demonic thing that took place where Satan thought he could get the best of Jesus. When Jesus calms the storm in verse 39, he says, be still. And it's the same word that is translated, hold, hold thy peace. The word means to be muzzled. It has the idea of muzzling a violent animal. When Jesus used that word in Mark 125, he was using it to command demons to be quiet. When he says to the demonic, be still, he's saying be muzzled. Perhaps this storm, and this is only conjecture, like I, I'm not saying this is gospel by, all, by any means, but maybe this was an attempt by Satan to destroy Jesus. The Bible doesn't tell us the source. In our own lives, we can, these storms can come from various sources as well. Sometimes the source is our own fault. Uh, if you don't believe me, think of uh, Jonah. Read the book of Jonah. And here you have a guy who God says, I want you to go to this city and preach to these people. And Jonah says no, and then experiences a little bit of a tumultuous uh, few days, right? I mean, he, he goes through his own storm. He's thrown overboard. You know, he's, he's eaten by a fish. It's crazy. It's crazy. So sometimes they're of our own fault. Sometimes they are satanic in origin. Satan whips up a, a storm in our life to drive you away from God. The Bible says that he, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, that, that there are times in our life that he will do anything to separate you from the Lord and to destroy you and your faith in God. Here's the good news is that even though we have a real enemy who is seeking to defeat us, Satan is limited in his ability to torment us by the sovereignty of God. It was a night of danger. It was also a night of doubt. The greatest storm that night was not on the Sea of Galilee. It was actually in the hearts of the disciples. The storm on the sea whipped up a storm of doubt within them that threatened to drown them all. And while the storm is still raging around them, Jesus is fast asleep in the back of the boat and they run to him and they awaken him. And that word awaken means to rouse from sleep. It was used uh, in the context of a calm sea that's just beginning to be agitated. In other words, they went to where he was sleeping, they shook him and said, hey, wake up. These men are terrified and have lost all hope of surviving this storm. They doubted his concern for them. That's the first doubt that's in your notes. They, it says, don't you care if we drown? They accuse the Lord of not caring. 
Like, you don't even care what we're facing, what we're up against. And why this doubt? Because they had already seen in Mark chapter 1 and Mark chapter 2, they had seen multiple instances where Jesus had performed the miraculous. They had, with their own eyes, viewed all of these miracles that had taken place, and yet they continue to doubt. In Mark chapter 2, it says that the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Now they're forced, or they're faced with this storm, and they're afraid. They should have known that some wind on a lake could not thwart the sovereign omnipotence of God. But you know what their problem was? They were looking at their situation, not their Savior. They were looking at the facts, not through faith. And before we get too hard on these guys, because honestly, it's easy for us to say, Jesus is in your boat. What are you freaking out about? Right? I mean, like if, if, if I'm looking at the situation, I'm like, all those guys in the other boats, those are the guys that should be freaking out. They don't have Jesus in the boat. You've got him in the boat. You should be fine. It's easy for us to look at that and kind of judge and be all uh, judgy towards these disciples. But the reality is, is there has been times in our own life where we, storms are raging in our life and we've questioned God's concern for us. And maybe we've even said it out loud. God, why are you letting this happen to me? Why am I going through this? Do you not care for me? Or maybe we haven't said it out loud because we're afraid of lightning and so we just allow it in our hearts. And we allow it in our hearts and in our minds to see, God, you don't even care that I'm going through these things. We've all been there at times. And I want you to know today that he does care. He cares about you more than anything. He's doing something about the situation. Whatever it is, he's doing something about the situation, even though you might not see it now. We can't question his concern. He really does care. Uh, they doubted his commitment to them. He said, don't you care if we drown Remember, it was Jesus who sent them out into the sea, right? These men had left everything to follow Jesus. They had, they'd left their livelihood behind, their jobs, their families, and he had led them into impossibly dangerous situations. They're afraid that Jesus now is going to just let them die. I gave up all of that so I could die drowning in a boat. Thanks a lot, Jesus. But we do the same, right? We're like, we, we, we surrender our life to the Lord. We, we surrender our life to God and say, God, you be the leader of my life. And then difficult things come. And we're, we're shocked and we're surprised. And we're like, oh, great. So I did all of this. I surrendered my life to him only to experience a storm. Jesus didn't save us to abandon us whenever the going gets tough. He didn't save us to, to win Storms come in this life, in this world, to just say, you better figure this out on your own. Hebrews 13.5 says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. I think Michaela used that in, in the midst of introducing the new song today. The word leave means to let sink. Interesting use of terms. 
The word forsake means that he won't abandon you, desert you, leave you under any circumstances. So when the, when the storms are raging in our life and when it feels as though we're being drowned or overtaken by the storm, the promise from Hebrews is that he will not let you sink. He will not let you drown. He will not abandon you. He will hold you up. He will prop you up in the midst of whatever it is that you're going through. He's committed to you. The city of Jerusalem once felt forsaken by the Lord, and and I would just say that if the Lord would love the nation of Israel, whom he redeemed out of Egypt, how much more would he love and protect his own church, whom he has redeemed by the blood of his son, Jesus Christ? They also doubted his comments to them. They didn't believe him. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, Jesus said, let us go across to the other side. Jesus had already told the guys what was going to happen. Like, hey, I need you guys to cross us over to the other side. And as they started on the journey and things started to get a little bit shaky, they're like, oh, he must have not have seen this coming. Like, like Jesus, the Son of God, didn't know that there was going to be a storm. And so I don't think he really believed that we could get to the other side. Because if they believed his words, they could have just shouted in the face of the storm. Jesus said, we're going to the other side. Knock it off. If they really believed that they were going to get to the other side, as Jesus promised, they could have just shouted into the storm and said, be still in the name of the one that's in the back sleeping. But we're no different. Because the Lord has already promised us everything is going to be all right. Romans 8, 28, and we know that those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, for it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, though we may be in the midst of the greatest storm ever, our inner self is being renewed day by day. He has promised us that he will take care of us if we could just take him at his word. We we would understand who controls the storms. We We could have peace even while the winds are blowing, as Jesus had as he was sleeping. It was like the bigger the waves, the more it was rocking him to sleep. So dangers, doubts, and then the disciples made some discoveries about God. When they roused Jesus from sleep, uh, Jesus goes to work. And as he did, they, they discovered some things about Jesus. They, first, they discovered about the power of the Lord. This storm that so terrified these men posed no problem for Jesus. He rebuked the wind. He speaks to the sea. And when he did, the winds fell silent. The sea became like a sheet of glass. And just as easily he had been healed, or just as easily as he had healed the sick, cast out demons, he was able to control the storm. Matthew 28, 18 says, And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
I want to remind us this morning that the Lord that we serve still has that same power today. That our storm is no problem for him. He can silence all of the storms in our life with a word if he so desires. He's able to protect you in the midst of the storm. Think about, uh, because here's the thing, is our, our minds often go to this, this road, this path that says, well, if he can calm the storm, then why in the world am I going through it? There are some times in which he just protects us in the midst of the storm. You're like, I don't know if I I agree with that theology. So I'll I'll give you a couple examples. Uh, If you've ever read the story of Daniel, you know that Daniel found himself in a little bit of a predicament, a little bit of a storm in the midst of a pit that's filled with lions. I don't know about you. Sounds like a storm to me. Sounds like a nightmare to me, although if it was snakes, definitely a nightmare. So he's in there, and what happens? God protects him. There's three, three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They don't bow down to the false gods. They get thrown into a literal fire. I don't know what that furnace looks like, maybe a cremation furnace, something along those lines, and they throw him into it, and what does he do? He protects them in the midst of a storm. They also discovered about the promises of the Lord. Just as he said, they passed over. If you read Mark chapter 5, verse 1, there's an old radio uh, voice commentator that used to say, uh, and now for the rest of the story. I think his name was Paul Harvey. I used to listen to it uh, with my dad in the car. So he used to say, and And now the rest of the story. Well, the rest of the story of this story, if you read Mark chapter 5, verse 1, is, guess what? They made it to the other side. They they lived to tell about it. They discovered that his word was true and that everything he had promised, he will do. Romans 4.21 says, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. They also discovered about the presence of the Lord, that that when the Lord is in your vessel, you have a little bit of an advantage. The Bible says in verse 36 that that there were also other boats with them. Many boats on the sea that night, but only one that contained Jesus. That's the place to be. If I'm I'm deciding which boat am I going to choose to go across a lake in a canoe, it's the one with Jesus. Because if something happens, guess what? It, I got Jesus, at least. So Jesus was in that boat. He wasn't in the other boats. Those guys should be freaking out. And having Jesus in your vessel makes all the difference. Because think about this. They were able to call on him because he was with them. They were able to to see him move in power and to command the winds to be stopped because he was with them. They were able to experience his peace because he was with them. The question for all of us is, is Jesus in our vessel? Because if he isn't, I don't know how you would weather the storm. I don't know how you would get through a cancer diagnosis, the death of a loved one, the death of a child. I don't know how you would get through those things if Jesus isn't in your vessel. 
they also discovered the purposes of the Lord. The storm taught these men something, a lesson that they really could have learned no other way. It would have been nice if they would have simply believed him after seeing him do all the great things he did in chapters 1 and 2. Right? It, would have been, it would have been great if they could have taken the things that Jesus did for others and applied it in their own lives. If they could have said, well, you know, if Jesus can heal a leper, if he, if he can cure Peter's mother-in-law, if he can heal the paralytic that came down out of the, the roof with those four crazy friends and forgive his sins, then I'm sure he can take care of this storm but they seemed unable to process like all of the things that Jesus did for all of these other people that somehow he's not going to do that for me. We have the Bible. It tells us the things he's done and can do. We have the testimonies of other people around us, and yet there is something interesting about the fact that we, we believe that God is a God of miracles. We believe he does it for everybody else but we're afraid that he won't do it for us. Wouldn't it be great if we could just trust him? And yet, so often we don't. And so sometimes he uses these storms to teach us that we can lean on him and that he'll take care of us. When they crossed over to the other side, they arrived to a place called Gadara, they encountered a demon-possessed man there, and I wonder if they doubted him after the storm. When they saw Jairus come for, for help for his daughter, and even when his daughter died, I wonder if they thought, he's got this. Because we, we just came out of the worst storm we've ever experienced in our life. He saved us. I know he can do this. See, I think the storm increased their faith. It may have been the purpose all along. If it wasn't the purpose, the Lord surely used it in that fashion. And I think he does the same for us. If you read uh, later on in Mark chapter 6, uh, you see another instance of a storm that comes. Only this time, they're out on the, the Sea of Galilee. Uh, you know, honestly, I don't know if I would be back out on the water again, but they were, I guess it was the way they transported themselves. They're out on the water. Storms come again. Only this time Jesus isn't with them. And they're freaking out again. They're filled with doubts and fears. And this is the time in which Jesus is walking on the water. Jesus comes to them. And what does he do? He stills the storm again. And they're taught a valuable lesson there that even when we can't see him, even when we feel like he is distant from us, he's still watching you, he's still caring about you, he's still working on your behalf. Storms often educate us and teach us to trust. They also discovered about the peace of the Lord because while they're freaking out and afraid, the Lord is sleeping. He knows that he's not going to drown. He knows he's not going to be thrown out of the boat. He knows that this storm isn't going to capsize them or any of those things. Why? Because he knows his death will be on a cross and not a shipwreck. 
He can sleep because he trusts his father to take care of him. If a situation doesn't rattle Jesus, then we shouldn't let it rattle us as well. And if we read all throughout Scripture, we see that nothing really rattles him. I mentioned earlier that we have a friend who just lost her husband uh, from a heart attack on a cruise. And as I was watching her share yesterday at the memorial service, she was talking about the fact that she, she's at peace. She has peace in her life. In fact, she even made a comment. I don't even know how I feel about it, honestly. It's a, I, I, you know, she can do whatever she wants because she's in the midst of this, and she can say whatever she wants in the midst of it, but uh, it made me uncomfortable, and I don't even know why. But she was talking about the fact that she said, uh, you know, I, when it first happened, I thought that I was going to have difficulty sleeping at night. But I discovered that I actually am sleeping better at night. And I was like, did he snore a lot? Did, you know, like, she's like, I thought I would be difficult to sleep alone. And I'm like, I'm uncomfortable because I'm like, are you saying, you know, I know she's not saying she's glad that it happened. What she's saying is she has peace in the midst of a storm, in the midst of maybe possibly one of the greatest storms anybody could ever experience in that situation, like 39-year-old husband just dead, leaving four small children. And she's saying, I'm sleeping better now than ever. Why? How? But, but the peace of Jesus Christ, the recognition that he's got her, He's taking care of her. The last thing that they learn, I don't think I got this in your notes, so you can just write it in, is they discovered the person of Jesus. That when Jesus calmed the sea, they were amazed and said, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? They learned that he is the one who is in control of every puff of wind, every raging wave, and every storm. They understood that they were now safe with this person. And I don't know what storm you have going on in your life, but I do know the one who can still it. If it's a storm of suffering, he can ease your pain. If it's a storm of sorrow, he can comfort your soul. If it's a storm of sin, he can deliver you and set you free. Maybe you walk through the doors this morning and you need to hear Jesus just say, Peace, be still. And if you do, I'd encourage you to bring it to him this morning as we pray. Father, I don't know what people walked in here with, but I do know that there are storms raging in people's lives. And just with your heads bowed and nobody's looking around for some privacy's sake, 
I first want to give you the opportunity, because I never want to assume that every person, we have visitors all the time that come into our church, and I never want to assume that everybody in this room actually has Jesus in your vessel. And, and what I mean by that is that you've surrendered your life to Jesus, you've allowed him to be the leader of your life, and and so I never want to assume that, and I just want to give you the opportunity, give everyone the opportunity here this morning, that uh, if you're here today and you've never given your life over to God, you've never surrendered your life to God, that that's first and foremost, because I don't know how in the world you would ever deal with storms in your past, deal with the storms in your life right now, or any storm that's coming your way. I don't know how you do that, but for Jesus. And so if you're here this morning and you would like to surrender your life to God today, I would just invite you to quickly raise your hand and say, Ryan, that's me. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call on you. But I do want to pray with you. And we did this first service, so we do it second service. I just want to make sure that everybody in the room has that opportunity. Is there anybody that would say, I've never given my life to God, but I am tired of dealing with this storm on my own. I'm ready to surrender to him. Anybody? Good. Then I want to I give you the opportunity this morning. I don't want to assume that everybody still has. Maybe there's timing in all of this, and you're not at that place yet, and I totally respect that. But I do want to give the rest of us in this room the opportunity to um, pray for, I want to pray for your storm, whatever it is that you're encountering, whatever it is that you're going through. And and so by doing that, I'm just going to kind of take it up a notch a little bit and invite you that if you're going through a storm right now and that you would like me to pray for, uh, I'd invite you to just stand where you're at and say, man, I, I'm going through this. And although I, I kind of know that I need to turn it over to Jesus, it's hard. And I, I'm losing the, the faith to give it to him. Good, there's a few of us and a few more. In first service, just remain standing, nobody's looking around. In first service, I shared uh, a concern. I, um, in first service, uh, one person stood up when I gave the opportunity to stand and get prayer for their storm. And I didn't have it for service, but I, I, I showed them uh, what it looked like. And, and uh, you can look around. I think the people standing will be okay with that. Uh, every week, I get uh, a stack of these cards that look like this. Sometimes it's bigger. Rarely is it smaller than this. And th this is uh, what I would call a stack of, for the most part, a stack of storms. Right, like th this is a stack of of the re prayer requests that you write down, and uh, see if I can uh, read some of these. Uh, God has opened up a new job opportunity for me, and I need strong faith to walk in His plan. I'm burned out and fried in the other job. I'm truly, I truly believe in God that God has provided a way out but fear creeps in. I need to hear his voice. That sounds like a little bit of a storm. Please pray for my friend. 
her family. They've just lost their brother-in-law. And now her brother is very sick and in the hospital. They need your prayers. That sounds like a storm. I need, my, I need prayers for my family. I need prayers for myself for a job. I'm out of a job. Sounds like a storm. I need prayer for my dear friend who's battling cancer. Sounds like a storm. I've got a lot of complication from ovarian cancer. Sounds like a storm. My aunt needs healing from cancer. I'd like prayer for uh, two friends of mine's continued relationship with the Lord. Please pray for my home. Please pray for my parents, for them to get to know God again in a, on a personal level. Please rid the pain and pride that's in them. Rebuke Satan of their house. Sounds like a storm. Some of your storms I can't read. Prayers for wisdom and understanding regarding a situation and relationship I'm struggling with knowing what, if anything, to do about. And I need peace with whatever the answer is, even if it's to just wait. Sounds like a storm. So every week we get these stacks of storms. And so that's why I'm preaching on it, honestly. And it's not to make you feel guilty if you didn't stand, because in a moment I'm going to give the opportunity and everybody's going to stand because they're going to feel guilty if they don't. But I want us to equate this, and, and I, I recognize that for some, you're like, well, I, I know how to deal with the storm. I, like, I take it to Jesus. Like, Jesus is in the boat. Like, I, he's there. He's present. I can be at peace in the midst of, of whatever storm I'm going through. And I get that. And, I, and so I, I respect that, and I, I, I'm okay with that. But I would just say to you, like, this is an opportunity, and I, I don't want you to miss the opportunity for us to agree together as a church to contend for whatever storm you're going through to be still and to be reminded that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. First service, I got all emotional and getting emotional again because I don't want you to leave here in the midst of your storm. So if you've got a storm, that you're going through, or maybe you've got somebody that you would like to just contend for that, that you keep putting down on the card, which is good. I don't want you to stop doing this. But if you have something that you're going through, if you have a storm in your life, stand and let's pray and contend for God.